Hey, next on the Teen Nation, thanks for tuning in to this segment of the show featuring two-time major champion Dottie Pepper. And thank you very much for voting the show up to number two this month in the Podcast Magazine Hot 50 list. Please keep voting. You can do so daily by going online to podcastmagazine.com forward slash hot 50. I really appreciate all of your support. Enjoy this segment of the show. And folks, this segment of the show is brought to you by our friends over at TaylorMade. Golf's an interesting game because the better you hit the ball, the fewer shots you have to hit. That means the better you hit the ball, the less golf you actually have to play. That's why TaylorMade made the all-new Stealth Irons. TaylorMade Stealth Irons feature a catback design with a 3D toe wrap designed to deliver increased distance throughout the bag and more forgiveness on those occasional, or maybe not so occasional, less than perfect shots. The result? Better shots more often, so you get to have more fun more often. So if you're the kind of golfer who wants to play less golf more often, try the all-new Stealth Irons from TaylorMade, Beyond Driven. Okay, now back and next on the tee with me is Dottie Pepper. Let me remind you about Dottie's background. She's from Saratoga Springs, New York. In 1981, at the age of 15, she won the New York State Amateur and the New York Junior Amateur title. She repeated as New York Junior Amateur Champion in 1983. In 1981, she was a member of the Junior World Cup team as well. She was low amateur in the 1984 U.S. Open. She played her college golf at Furman, where she was a three-time All-American and lettered all four years. She won five collegiate tournaments, which is tied for the most in school history with Betsy King and Beth Daniel. Her career stroke average of 75.96 is still one of the top 15 all-time there. She had top five finishes in the NCAA National Championship in three of her four years during her college career. She was named the Furman Female Athlete of the Year twice in 1985 and 87. She was inducted into their Athletic Hall of Fame in 1991, and their annual Coaches Award is named in her honor. She was a member of the 1986 Curtis Cup team. She turned pro in 88 and won 17 times on the LPGA Tour, including two majors at the 1992 and 99 ANA Inspirations. Her winning score of 19 under par in 99 is still the lowest score to par in a major. She had five other top fives in majors while out on tour. She was a member of six Solheim Cup teams. She retired from competitive golf in 2004, and she began working as a golf commentator in 2005 for the Golf Channel and NBC. She's also been in the booth and doing on-course commentating for ESPN and now CBS. She was inducted into the South Carolina Athletic Hall of Fame in 2008, and I am very honored she is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Dottie, thanks for coming back on the show. Chris, how are you tonight? I'm fantastic. How are you? You're a busy lady. Yeah. What's going on? Well, dinner's on. I've, I've timed this out perfectly. You know, this, this type A personality and schedule-driven person. Has um, has homemade risotto. I would say okay, not totally from scratch because I didn't do my own bone broth, but risotto from scratch, semi on on the stove, and um, I think we're about thirty minutes out. <laughs> that is perfect. So, Donnie, talk <laughs> about what your schedule looked like. You're a busy lady, like I say. What's coming up for you? I'm in the. I'm actually in the wind down part of our schedule. Uh, I've done. 15 tournaments so far for CBS, one with the Latin America Amateur Championship for our friends at, at the Masters, and 
the USGA and RNA. So that, that's kind of kicked off the season. And then we went to San Diego and now right to this point, uh, leaving for the John Deere Classic on Friday morning. So we're, we're sunsetting our schedule, but we still got an amazing trip to the Scottish Open ahead. Um, 3M, as I said, John Deere this week. Uh, and then we'll end up with Detroit and the uh, Wyndham Championship in Greensboro. And Donnie, you mentioned the Masters, and you made history at Augusta National, becoming the first on-course commentator in the history of the tournament. Augusta National doesn't change things up like that often. How did you learn that that was going to take place, and what was that like for you? So it's funny. I, I can actually pull up the date and time of the phone call on my saved messages, and it was from... Our producer at the time, Lance Barrow, and, uh, well, I'll tell you when it was. It was October 2nd of 2020. And he said, uh, just, just wanted to check in with you. I was actually in the Pilates studio doing a workout and, you know, just wanted to check in with you and see if you'd be up for uh, walking the golf course and being the only walker on the ground in November, the November 2020 masters and i couldn't call him back fast enough i I was (laughs) i was shocked i was surprised um and then i ran right back into my instructor and we booked uh we we doubled up between then and when i was gonna leave for november because (laughs) the november masters because as you know anybody who's been on the grounds know how knows how difficult it is especially if you're hauling more equipment on you it's it's understatedly i i think the most hilly secretly hilly golf course that we certainly play uh, on our schedule. And to that point, Dottie, you had to be in tremendous shape because you're great just because you're always great at what you do, but you never sounded out of breath. And like you say, Augusta National's got to be the most difficult walking course. And I I think something most of us don't realize, you talk about hauling equipment, you got a bunch of weight wrapped around you trying to get up and down those hills. Talk about the challenge of doing that. Well, I, Chris, I, I, I sort of knew what was coming, but yeah, at that time, because of the COVID restrictions, I was carrying a monitor plus all of the RF equipment, radio frequency equipment that, that gets me on the air. But I think the other, the other interesting thing was that this was all brand new because there'd never really been that, that ask at Augusta National for somebody to be able to to relay that information in real time. So it was a learning experience for a lot of people. And the team that that CBS and Augusta put together to, to make that happen technologically was, was pretty amazing. And we continue to learn because now this is the third time I've done it. And, Dottie, I read that Tiger Woods saw you out there in the fairway and stopped to ask what you were doing there. You mind sharing that story? Well, Typically, there's, there's not a lot of people inside the ropes at Augusta National at any time during during the tournament week. And I, because of the weather, uh, was originally assigned to Dustin Johnson. But as you remember, the first day of the November 2020 Masters, we had a, a significant rain delay. So it, it kind of pushed everything out about three hours, if I remember correctly. So that it, it changed uh, the wave. So instead of going with, with DJ, I then was able to finish Tiger's round and then go with DJ from the start. So I got to, in between 13 and 14, I, I called the shots at the, at the green at 13, jumped up ahead 
that was cutting across the fairway behind the players at the 14th in the middle of the fairway, and Tiger stopped dead in his track. And he said, wait, what are you doing in the middle of the fairway here? Because there's just <laughs> never been anybody on the ground. And I just quickly said as I kept out walking, um, it's so 2020, isn't it? <laughs> because we just did did things differently in 2020 than we'd never done before. And to some point, we continue to do that. And Dottie, when I was listening to you earlier this year covering the Masters on Sunday, after Cam Smith made that great birdie on 11 to give himself an opportunity to make a back nine charge, when he got to the 12th team, Frank Nabilo, who joined me a few weeks ago, he, he talked about what the yardage was. You confirmed that Cam had pulled a nine iron for that shot. And I said to my son, when you said that, that's not enough club. And then he put his ball into Ray's Creek. And I want to get your thoughts. Why do players insist on going for the pin on the right-hand side of that green on 12, particularly on Sunday, or just on any round for that matter? Because when they do it, more often than not, they end up in Ray's Creek and then their opportunity to win the golf tournament is uh, pretty much evaporated. Well, I, I think you have, you have two things that, that work there. Um, I would say for the majority of the players on the PGA Tour, a bit of a cut is the preferred shot. So it's sitting there asking for it, for that shot to be hit. Secondly, Cam was in this particular situation, Cam was coming off an adrenaline boost with a birdie at 11. Uh, was back within, as things can happen on the second nine at Augusta, a, a, a two-shot swing here, a two-shot swing there. And I think that, that the combination of the two played in. There was a there was a set, set up where the flag's there. If I hit a soft cut, I can get to it. I've got adrenaline pumping. I know I really don't want to be long either. But I would say when I got that signal from the tee, I was a little surprised too. Dottie, going back to your history there at Augusta National, you were on the grounds for the 1987 Masters as a young college kid. Kind of a miraculous story of what transpired for you as a player at Furman at the time and how you got tickets and then got into the players' parking area. Do you mind sharing that story? <laughs> well, I, I had uh, won the Lady Palette in our home tournament. The team had also won the the day before. We, we finished on Saturdays. and. I had a, a phone call from a booster at Furman who had two extra tickets. He and his wife were not going on Sunday and said, would, would you use them? <laughs> Nobody says no to that opportunity. We're two hours away. So, yes, I, I would love to do that. Uh, but had no idea. I, mean, I think I had a total of 20 bucks in my pocket, Chris. That was all I had after, you know, a whole week at a tournament, at our tournament and this just kind of popped up. But I remember after being on the 86 Players Cup team, we were told that the player badge, player pin, would get you in, into any USGA tournament. And I thought, well, it's not a USGA tournament, but I'll stick it in my pocket anyway. And I also have my low amateur pin from the 84 U.S. Women's Open. So I get down there, really can't find any place to park. And I thought, well, might as well give it a try. So I rolled up to Magnolia Lane, and the security guard waved me through. I gave him a show wow. of my two badges, and he waved me right through. And then when you got up to Founder Circle, they can, or close to it, they continued to wave me to the right. And next thing I knew, I was parked in player parking. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. I mean, that would never, ever happen today. But I thought, well, okay, here I am. So 
I went with a, with a teammate of mine and we walked. I'd never seen the, really the first nine, especially from four on on television. So we walked the entire first nine. We had plenty of time. We went and walked par three and then we went back and we started following the group of Larry Mize of all people. And it turns out that he, that he won. And Donnie, I know you were a big Seve fan and you and our mutual friend Matthew Lawrence may have been the only two people yeah. uh, in, in the States pulling for 70 in the 86 Masters. <laughs> which, That's right. Which, I, as I recall, you watched in a van with the Furman's men's golf team on the way home from a tournament. Talk about the experience of trying to watch the 86 Masters and were you crushed when he hit that ball in the water on 15? I, I was absolutely crushed. I was I had gone up to Chapel Hill to visit one of my best friends. Well, my best friend from college, Dolph Candy Kessler at the time, Candy Comer now. And was I got my ride back from the men that were, they played in the Tar Heel Invitational. So it's Sunday of the Masters. And we have this, I don't know, it might have been a six by six black and white plug it into the cigarette lighter sort of television. And I, I just, we were all huddled over this little tiny screen. And I remember switching from, affiliate to affiliate all the way from 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 uh, Chapel Hill all the way to Greenville and we lose a signal and pick up a signal like somebody you know messing around with the antenna because we, we can't mess a shot here but uh, devastated when Seve hit it in the water <laughs> absolutely devastated Dottie I mentioned Matthew Lawrence and he wanted me to say hello to you for him and and he said, ask her, what's the greatest round of golf you've witnessed as a player or as an on-course analyst? Oh, wow. Uh, hmm. I, I think for somebody who had the mojo and just kept it going, it was Rory at the RBC in 19 at the Canadian Open when he shot 61 in the final round. Um, not very often you get assigned to a player who's totally got it going in the final round and starts to break you know, kind of knock on that door. And that, that ha- happened at Hamilton. That was, that was pretty cool uh, to watch that. Yeah, been around you know, players like, like Tiger, um, and have had some pretty, pretty amazing experiences watching those guys play at the, at the very, very best. Yeah. You know, John Rahm, uh, threw 54 holes at the Memorial before he tested positive for COVID. That, that was golf on autopilot and did, not be able to to watch that come to fruition. You don't know what would have been. Uh, Dustin Johnson going mega low in in Boston in the FedEx Cup playoffs. I guess that was in twenty uh, when he I don't know thirty under or something. It looked like a typo on the on the leaderboard. But I I think Rory shooting sixty one last day in Canada was was pretty spectacular. Daddy, switching gears a little bit. Yesterday we heard that Matthew Wolf and Carlos Ortiz and Eugenio Chichara are the latest PGA Tour players that are going to go join the Live Tour. Back in February, no one was talking about the Live Tour or really taking it seriously. Certainly not that, you know, that some of the top players in the world would ever go over there. And people were even talking about this thing may not even get off the ground. What are your thoughts about where we are right now? I think you have a decision um, as a player about where your priorities are, about what you play for, who you play for, why you play golf, why you dream, why you dreamed as a kid. And I can 
promise you that not one of these players that have gone to the lift or grew up standing over a putting green as the daylight faded as a kid saying, this is the putt that I'm going to make to win the live championship. It's greed. And I just think when, when money is at the forefront, it's not healthy for anybody. And I think players have forgotten where they came from. I think they've forgotten the platform that gave them the ability to make these choices. And Dottie, most of the players that have gone over there aren't, aren't like, didn't floor me. Outside of Brooks Kepka, because I thought Brooks was all about the majors. We've heard him talk about it for years. He really didn't care about mm-hmm. the other tournaments, didn't really practice very hard for any of the other tournaments. But as a four-time major winner, I really thought that's all he was out there to do was to win majors. And this now takes that away. Were you surprised at his defection? I I was a little surprised. Uh, again, I... I don't, I don't know what's going to happen going forward with eligibility in the major championships. Nobody knows. To me, this is exhibition. And I, I played on a tour that took criticism for having 54 whole events, that that wasn't real competition. So what is this? It's not real competition. Daddy, is there a player or two that if we learned in the coming weeks, this guy and that guy are going to go over to live that would really put the PGA Tour behind the eight ball? No, I, I think today changed the ball game. I, I, I think uh, the DP World Tour and the alliance now that's been re- has been bolstered has been uh, reinforced with the PGA Tour it makes a big difference, and it makes a difference in play in ways that I think maybe the tour hadn't excelled. And and I think going back to a calendar year, going back to the Q School. Uh, creating an avenue for players to get to the PGA Tour from the DP World Tour and still be able to go back and support their home tour answers a lot of questions and gives a, the best place to play professional golf among men. Daddy, I want to go back to your playing days. You won your first major at the 1992 ANA Inspiration back when it was the Nabisco Dinosaur Classic. You beat Julie Inkster in a playoff, but it was a wild finish. She had a one-stroke lead over you and Patty Sheehan going into 18, which was a par five. Patty hits it just over the green with her third shot. Julie sticks it in there about 10 or 12 feet. And then you step up after that and hit it inside of Julie to about four feet. Give a little fist pump when that shot gets pulled off. Take us through what happened from there. It's funny. I had, uh, had dinner Saturday night with Nick Faldo. Uh, over at the Travelers and there were six of us sitting around the table and he said to me, Daddy, what was the most significant shot of your career? And I think that wedge shot set up everything that happened after because it, you know, enabled me to go into a playoff for a major. It, to me, validated everything I'd done for the, for the previous couple of years and set the, kind of set everything else in motion. And uh, it was a wedge that landed four and a half feet or so uh, under and right of the hole. Julie had a 10, 12 footer, like you said, left it short coming downhill from the left side. And I didn't have, I didn't have any choice. I mean, the ball had to go in. And so it's one of those will it in sort of putts. And then I, I made a routine four at the last, or at the first full playoff. And this is bar bet information for you. 
I so I won the Dinah twice now, which is the Chevron championship. Uh, but I only dove once because I won on the landlocked tenth, and they had to get off the air. So I got the the trophy from Dinah and the chairman of Nabisco, and off we went. Never saw water, <laughs> which was a good thing, I think. <laughs> Dottie, one more before I let you go, and something else that you may have never imagined in the past, but your book, Letters to a Future Champion, My Time with Mr. Pulver, sold out of the hard copies of that book. You've got a, you got a handful yeah. left there of the soft copies, but knowing that that book became so meaningful to so many people, it's got to make you feel great. It, it does, Chris. Um, I re- was, it was, I think today, a year ago, that I watched the tractor trailer roll up with the second printing and it put me um, in the neighborhood of like 50, 100 copies total. And I'm thinking to myself, what in the world am I going to do with all of this? And I mentioned Candy Comer earlier. Um, her son was actually here and he and I unloaded that truck and moved most of it into our basement. Wow. And it, it was, yeah, <laughs> we, we, we earned our meal that night, um, and I can tell you, I've, I've sold through about 70%, even of the paper copies, and I printed that many so that I could get it out the door, even in a state like New York that, that taxes at whatever percentage, so that people can walk out the door, kids included, for, with a really valuable book printed in the highest manner possible for less than 20 bucks, and and we did it, and, and I'm so proud of it because I still get notes from people saying how they've read it, how it's reminded them of their mentors, they've reached out to their mentors, and that they've given it to a family member, and they've done the same thing, or a friend, and they've done the same thing. And then last call, I, I did the um, the audiobook, mostly because my, my grandmother has macular degeneration, and while I gave her the printed copy of the book, she couldn't enjoy it, so now she can hear it. So it was it's been such a great journey to to share what was so meaningful for me, a relationship with, with a retired professional who really laid the groundwork for everything I've been able to do in the game on the course and away. Uh, it's just, it's been remarkable. So, Dottie, before I let you go, let our listeners know how, how they can get one of those few remaining soft copy books. And then also... Sure where they can listen to the audio book and then follow you on social media and on your website. Okay. So well, website's the first answer. You can always get my book at dottypepper.net. Uh, I fill all the orders myself. If there's a request for a personalization, I, I handle that all myself. Uh, how you can get to the audio book. It's virtually everywhere now, um, starting at audible and it's, that's actually listed on my website as well with Direct Connect. So when, when we went to Amazon, that was a big deal. Uh, but now we can, now it's on Audible, Barnes and Noble, Kobo, anywhere you want to be able to find it, it's there. And what was your second question? <laughs> How can we follow you on, on social media oh, as well? Yes, on social media. Okay. I'm on Instagram at Dottie underscore pepper. Uh, same thing on Twitter. And I do have a professional athlete account on Facebook as well at Dottie Pepper. Dottie, you're awesome, my friend. I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy night to come back and be a part of the show. I hope we have the privilege of catching up with you again soon. Would love to do it. And I wish you could smell the kitchen because it's really good right now. (laughs) I wish I could, too. 
I'm jealous as I could be. Good for you and your husband. Dottie, you're fantastic. Thank Thanks. you. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, Chris. See you, Dottie. That is the great Dottie Pepper. DottiePepper.net is the website. The book, again, it is called Letters to a Future Champion, My Time with Mr. Pulver. You get an opportunity to get a, uh, a soft copy of that book or go online on Audible because Dottie's one of the narrators. So you'll get to hear her tell the story herself. It's fantastic there, too. Dottie is just one of the most special people on the planet, one of the best color commentators and analysts you'll ever find in any sport. And I'm very honored that she came back to be a part of the show tonight. And like I say, I hope we get the privilege of having her back on the show again soon.